Welcome to The Hope Project. On this podcast, we talk about matters of sex, sexuality, sexual shame, purity, and how that all relates to Jesus and God. We hope that through this podcast, you'd be able to recapture the beauty of sexuality. Journey with us as we seek to better understand sex and find freedom along the way. This podcast is a part of season one, and if you haven't yet listened to the trailer for season one, I recommend you do that now before listening to this podcast. On this episode, Carrie shares with us her perspective on singleness and why the church has often alienated them. She gives us encouragement as well as a holistic vision for what the Christian world relationships should look like. Carrie serves as the Dean of Student Success at Biola University and has worked at the university since 2001. In her current role as Dean, she oversees academic advising, career development, online success, undergraduate retention, and so many other areas. She also has a BA in Business Economics from Wheaton College, an MA in Organizational Leadership, and a PhD from Azusa Pacific in Higher Education. In other words, Carrie has a lot of wisdom and experience for us to learn from. I'm so excited for you to hear from her in this episode for the hope it may bring you. Let's dive on in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. I have the pleasure of having Carrie join me today, and we're going to talk about singleness. Um, We don't know exactly where it's going to take us, but we are going to talk about it. But Carrie, before we get into any of the deep, deep things of singleness, um, can you share a little bit about your journey, your life? What has brought you up to this point and where you're at in your journey? Sure. Well, let's see. Um, I am right now working um, as the Dean of Student Success of Biola University. It's been almost 18 years that I've been in that, In well, here at Biola. It's a long um, time. Yeah, a pretty long time. <laughs> um, I'm a loyal human. <laughs> I'm a committed person. <laughs> there it is. The um, six coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I uh, grew up pretty locally. I went to Wheaton College for my undergraduate degree and got a master's here at Biola. Hmm. Um, just recently finished a PhD, a doctorate at APU. And um, so I have to address you as Dr. Carrie. Yeah, you can okay. call me doctor. Oh, yeah, no, please don't. <laughs> um, but there at, at APU, I um, became pretty interested in kind of gender and uh, gender roles in the church and um, particularly um, how men advocate for women and invest in women's leadership and stories. So um, that's that's kind of been an emerging um interest for me in the church mm-hmm. and in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a particular story of, of being single at 40 <laughs> um, and living in evangelicalism. That's complicated, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Yeah. And so, um, so that's something I started talking about maybe a handful of years ago, a little bit more, I think, being a person who spends time with students who mm-hmm. are thinking about what their lives and their journeys are going to look like. Yeah. Um, I started to realize they actually need to know more about um, what this what this circumstance that I'm in is about, and um, and I think um, I, I've realized that uh, there is a little bit of fear around singleness in the church, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and we can unpack why that might be. Yeah, but uh, I just really started to feel this obligation of like, man, I want to. I want to begin to give people a sense of what it could look like to flourish and mm-hmm. what it could look like to um, to really have narratives around them that are um, possibility creating rather than like fear inducing. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So I'm happy to get to talk about yeah. that today with you a little bit. I'm excited, too. I think this is going to be awesome, especially since you deal with students and yeah. I mean, a few years ago, I was coming out of the stage of like everyone's graduating undergrad and it's like, I'm not married yet. And if you went to a Christian university, you're not married at the end of it. Oh, my gosh. It's so like, crazy. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, so hmm. to actually paint a different picture where it's not necessarily a problem, there's not something inherently wrong with you, I think yeah. is going to be a beautiful thing. Um, so we're going to we're going to read a quote um, from an. A relevant article, because I just, you know, sit around and read it relevant all my days. <laughs> <laughs> Them desiring God, a few other popular, you know, just all of the time I just read it. Yeah. Um, so I want to read this quote to you from this article, um, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. What's good, what's bad, um, what's in between. So the article is called, What the Church Gets Wrong About Singlets and Marriage. And here's the quote. It says, 
Church can be a tough place for single people. Most Christians don't realize it unless they're single, but if you step back and look at our Christian culture, you'll see that we elevate marriage. In some cases, we idolize it. We see a beautiful girl and we say, what a catch. We see a handsome man and say, he'll sure make a wonderful spouse someday. (laughs) If they're still not married by the age of 30, we think something's wrong or perhaps they're too picky. Why aren't they married yet? This is code for something must be wrong with you. If you were living out your full potential and making all the right choices, you'd be married by now. Parents especially can put undue and unbiblical pressure on their kids if they do not get married and have kids. You have to wonder whether parents are actually thinking about what's best for their kids or just wanting what's best for themselves, i.e. grandkids. Singleness is rarely viewed in positive light in American Christianity. Mm. So that's a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. There's some strong words. Just a, just a small critique. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> some snappy phrases. Um, yeah. Let's let's pick this apart. Yeah. Um, what are your initial thoughts when you hear that? Yeah. Um, and how does that relate to your experience, your theology, mm. your doctorate? Um, yeah. Um, you know, I think, read me that first line again. Read me that initial statement. Church can be a tough place for single yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. So that resonates for me a lot. Um, now I'll say, church can be a tough place for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be honest with each other, right? Um, I think uh, you know. I think when you are um, honest about what it is to live in community with mm-hmm. um, others and to pursue spiritual things, um, that is a challenging endeavor you know and so Mm -hmm. I don't want to you know I I, I, sometimes when I talk about singleness I say you know it's hard when you're one person to tell the story of of many right and I think in a lot of ways I have a a privileged place in the the world like in being a single person right Mm I um I have a job that I am very content in I have income that doesn't that makes my life pretty you know mm-hmm. a, pretty fluid and I'm able to do the things I want to do um so I I always hesitate to sort of speak for single people at large but um to speak for all of them yeah every yeah single, yeah <laughs> every single <laughs> one right, of them that's, right. <laughs> that's what we want um but I will absolutely say that church has been a challenging thing for me and I'm someone who was raised in the church mm-hmm. who um, is embedded in a Christian community and where I work and how mm-hmm. I do life. If, if anyone as a single person should be able to succeed in, in a church yeah. community, yeah. it's probably somebody like me. Yeah. Well, you know, um, you know the culture. You yeah. Know I know the ask. culture. You know I what know to what to say, what to not abs- say. I, what absolutely. Groups there are. I know, uh, I know how to adapt and how to, how to speak the language of, you know, in and out and all of that. Um, but uh, yeah, the the scripts, the 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 systems we create, the things that are taught from the pulpit, mm-hmm. the um, groups that are available, the roles that are available, right? Mm-hmm. The positions that can mm-hmm. be held, um, all of those things are very focused on the nuclear family and you know a husband and wife and kids, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and I think particularly for women, it becomes very challenging in more conservative environments to kind of think about, well, if you're conceptualizing um, male and female, right, and then women sort of have certain roles if they can do them in conjunction to their husbands, Mm -hmm. it gets very (laughs) tricky, right? Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. I mean, I attended a church at one point um, where I had a – I love these these small group leaders that were were my um I was in a a community group with them. They had been missionaries. They were, you know, in their 50s when they were leading mm-hmm. and our church had a policy that um that I I think I think that women couldn't lead like w- spouses could co-lead small mm-hmm. groups but yeah. women couldn't lead and I don't even know if single men could. I couldn't. I can't remember if if there was like a marriage clause or if it was, it's, uh, you know, it's the Aquila and Priscilla thing. Uh, right. And so, and uh, <laughs> we don't need to get. But these small group leaders, every every time people would ask for new leaders' mm-hmm. names to be put forward, they would put forward my name, hmm. even though they knew the policy was yeah. that yeah. that I that I couldn't lead. You know, 
Um, and it was sort of like this very small rebellion mm-hmm. <laughs> that they were Supporting. enacting, you know, of like, <laughs> this person is a, a full adult and yep. a, a spiritual leader and has all this capacity. And yeah. why do we not, you know, why do we not uh, allow her those opportunities? And so, mm. yeah, those those kinds of constant um, uh, underlying messages, whether whether real, perceived, whether spoken, unspoken, mm-hmm. they make the they make the church a tough place. I think yeah. for single people to thrive. Um, yeah, we could probably say some things about parental pressure. I don't know. There's yeah. that that part of the article. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Pressure is, <clears throat> it's interesting because yeah. I think, if anything, I feel like it's more of a symptom yeah. of the problem, yeah. which I, I, I think, think it starts right. in the church. Mm. And I think the parents kind of pick it up. Mm. Um, and maybe a little bit of American culture mm. as a whole picks it up. Because I think, for instance, my family, my older brother's married, my older mm. sister's married, mm. and I'm at the age where they both got married. Mm. And mm. so it's like, my family's like, what's going on? Yeah. What's up with this guy? Um, yeah. And so I had to sit my mom down like two years ago, and I know she's going to listen to these, and I've <laughs> talked about it, but <laughs> I had to sit her down uh, two years ago or a bit ago and basically say, Mom, look, like you keep on asking whenever you come to campus and say, well, that girl's pretty cute. Hmm. I know what you're getting at. Yeah. It's not explicitly saying, yeah. like, why aren't you married? But this is how it's making me feel yeah. internally that yeah. I don't have a place in this family. Yeah. That hmm. now that we're all adults, since I'm not married, I don't have a place in the family. And so my mom's loving and adaptable, and she – she hasn't mentioned it since. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is like, I love yeah, her that's for that. a that that would be hard for a mom to hear that. Yeah. that you feel not completely a part of yeah. or included in. Yeah, but it's like yeah. I'm not. I she know doesn't I'm not know that's one. probably what yeah. she's doing. And she's not trying. She yeah, wants my absolutely. happiness, and the yep. greatest joy of her life was having a husband and kids. That's right. Um, but I think that is the problem yeah. right there. I think yeah. that's rooted in the church, where it's we're telling the people the greatest joy you can have yeah. is in marriage and having kids. Which yeah. again. Like being a part of a family, yeah. having kids is awesome and yeah. beautiful, but that's just not the reality um, totally. for most people, if not half of the U.S. Mm-hmm. right now. So it's like, what do we do with this other mm-hmm. half? And we tell them, hey, the greatest joy that you could ever have in mm-hmm. life, you don't have right now. And that either mm-hmm. means something's wrong with you mm-hmm. or you don't have the right tools, you're yeah. too picky, whatever it is. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think it starts in the church. I think the parents, for the, they're contributing to it, um, but for the most part, I think they're picking it up. Yeah from from the theology maybe yeah i mean uh it's it's interesting i think um i think you're right that parents are are absolutely want wanting for the most part the best for their kids Mm -hmm. right and so Mm -hmm. they are um i think when when they're putting pressure on it's usually because of the scripts that that they're operating by um Mm -hmm. something i think about is um this idea of marriage as sort of the ultimate human relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've wondered about that. I, I, I think when I, um, when I started thinking about that more, I thought, you know, the scriptures don't actually spend a lot of time on marriage. I mean, they mm-hmm. spend some time on marriage, but um, I feel like it's the, the scriptures spend a lot more time on the family of God. Yep. And yeah. so they spend a lot of time um, on family. Just yeah. Not the family yeah. You're thinking of yeah. A family that, you know, we actually, I think in the American church particularly do a very poor job of actually acting like mm-hmm. family, you know, mm-hmm. and building. Um, I, I, I think like not on bloodline, but on this sort of, uh, this spiritual community that God mm-hmm. ordained and created um, mm-hmm. that's really beautiful and and I think is a, a way of um, of creating an image of the gospel, you know mm-hmm. I mean but I think we have we have said that marriage is that sort of ultimate uh, yeah. picture of, yeah. of the it's gospel because, you know because you have you know you have the the symbols and imagery of yeah. you know. You know, Christ and the bride. The bride yeah. is the church. Yeah. You know, so it's like marriage is a reflection yeah. of yeah. Jesus and the church, which is like, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think the reality when you look at eternity, like we start single when we come into this mm. world. You either get called out of singleness mm-hmm. and into marriage. Mm-hmm. But when you die, mm-hmm. you go back to singleness, mm. but then back into marriage in a sense, because now you're married mm. to God. Mm. But again, that's a it's a symbolic thing. Mm. It's more of the spiritual mm. marriage than this kind of human covenantal marriage. But yeah. I think that's where. <clears throat> it comes from because it's yeah. like, well, look, like you can't reflect Christ in the in the bride yeah. if you're not married. Yeah, because look, crazy. scripture says it. Um, and so 
we're left with this dilemma of like, yes, that is like a really beautiful symbol yeah. of God and his people. But at the same time, the majority of scripture, when they're using like images for the church is family mm-hmm. and spiritual family, not bloodlines. Mm-hmm. Um, another article that you sent me mm. that I have a quote from, it actually talked about that. So it mm. works nicely um, where it says, when Christians start chasing marriage as the relational ultimate, or the answer to their problems, that is in own way corrupts the symbol Jesus intended us to find in husband and wife in the first place. Mm. And so I think what you're saying there with like this is this is the relational like ultimate. This is like the the climax of human yeah. experience. Yeah. Um I think that that proves troublesome for a lot yeah. of singles because like where do you do what do you do with them? And also that means that Jesus missed out on the relational ultimate. Unless if you read the Da Vinci Code right, or right. <laughs> something, I guess he got it. I guess he figured it out. Uh, we just missed it in our scriptures. It's important to us that Jesus was married <laughs> according to the Da Vinci Code, right? It's crazy. I mean, that's a very interesting even uh, heresy of sorts, right? Uh, yeah. Why? Why is that? Why does that become a priority? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I um, I I think that this is a a big deal. Um. I think it's a big deal both for people who are married and for people who are single Mm -hmm. um, that the rugged individualism of our culture in in sort of uh, Euro-American conceptualizations of society um, has made us very dependent on marriage because we we like um, we like to uh, mm, what I want to say, we we want to isolate ourselves mm-hmm. in some ways. And marriage is, is, it can be, I think, the ultimate isolation mm-hmm. in that you pick one person who's supposed to be everything, right? I was listening to a podcast the other day that talked about how, you know, in the early conceptions of marriage, they they weren't thinking about love as the way mm-hmm. that, that that marriages well, were, were born, right? Arranged. Like they, they, yeah, they were arranged. Yeah. They were about protection, finances, procreation, you know, yeah, power, all those things. And so now today we still think of it for many of the things we Mm -hmm. did in in those Mm -hmm. early contracts, right, of marriage. Mm -hmm. But we also want the person to be the love of our lives Mm -hmm. and our best friend and the, you know, the person that we tell everything to Mm -hmm. and our intellectual, you know, sparring partner. And there's so, right. The completing of the puzzle. It's just so much pressure for one relationship to bear. And you know, most of my friends are married. Um, they, I, I think they are healthier, happier in their marriages when they have built community mm-hmm. around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they have said, yes, I love my marriage, I regard and honor my marriage, but um, I want to have a flourishing community. Yeah. And um, so I don't think that, I think in some ways, I've thought I've thought about the fact that actually single people, you know, there I used to have this idea of like, well, single people can teach um, can teach about dependency on Christ in a different way. Like we can Mm -hmm. show um, how Christ can fulfill us in a different way. I don't Mm -hmm. think I think that as much as I used to. I Mm -hmm. actually think that singleness can showcase what the family of God is capable of when it actually operates Mm -hmm. in uh, in the way that God intended. And so I think I, as a single person, and I've had this happen to me where my married friends have been like, gosh, Carrie, you have such deep friendships, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have so many people in your life who love you and are present for you and who you're Mm -hmm. doing that for, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, showing up for friends in crisis. And I have, you know, ability to, to do that maybe with a little more freedom than others. Um, but I, I think that that, is a distinction that I made somewhere along the way. I maybe had gotten narratives that were about, that were more about like Jesus as the bridegroom Mm -hmm. that were, I think false, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. yes, he's the, he's the bridegroom of the church, but is, is there sort of like this unique way that I'm going to demonstrate the sufficiency of Christ? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I think, um, Christ is sufficient for all of us, and we all have tremendous need of him, and maybe even more so in marriage, in that we're trying to mm-hmm. to move toward him with another person in a way that is more 
I don't know, more complicated. Yeah. So anyway, these <laughs> yeah. are questions that I'm yeah. thinking through as I think about some yeah. of these pieces. Yeah. yeah, no, I think you talking about kind of, this is dramatic, but mm. marriage as the great isolator. Mm. Um, not intended to be, mm. not meant to be, it shouldn't be, but oftentimes yeah. it is, yeah. where I think, I read some studies where it's like, I think the 40 to 55 age age reign of like married men hmm. is probably the most lonely mm. like age group of any of them. Wow. Um, because at that point in time, <clears throat> you've become so isolated Yeah. because you just work. Yeah. You come home and you just have your, your wife and kids Yeah. Um, that you don't learn how to cultivate friendship yeah. outside yeah. of your nuclear family. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're saying is like, well, no, the healthiest marriages I know mm-hmm. are actually ones that are in community. Yes. And I could vouch for that a million times. I'm sure anyone could vouch for that. And that's what we're teaching. Yeah. But for some reason, I still see with a lot of my friends, it's still like the hardest part yeah. of being married is like figuring out how do I cultivate friendship? Yeah. Because like they're they're battling this narrative. I think the church is now putting in good narratives like you need community. You mm-hmm. need people around you. Mm-hmm. That's good. Like you need this if you're married. Mm. But at the same time, it's like marriage is finding your other half. Mm-hmm. It's like your soulmate. And so mm-hmm. it's like those are almost incompatible, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of my friends are getting stuck because they're in between these two poles of like, yeah. no, I know I need community and I can voice that and I yeah. need that. Yeah. But then I have to spend all this time with my wife because she's my soulmate and I yeah. have to build this. And yeah. it's like my other half. And it's like, yeah, if you have believed those two things, yeah, you're going to be stuck. Yeah, a little um, bit. Yeah, I think I, I think it is where I hope that um, people who are single can't. This is this is the other thing that I think is like, what if. Um, the church made singles not the like outsiders we need to welcome, but actually began to center mm-hmm. single people yep. as models of mm-hmm. of certain certain lived experiences and realities. So, like, I think what I've noticed is even churches that that are trying and thinking about singles. They're doing it in ways that are about like, well, they're on the fringes, so we're going to try to like bring them mm-hmm. in. The family is still the center, but but single people will get invited to Maybe the parties the and they'll, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I wonder what it would look like if you had a leadership team, an elder team, you know, that, that had um, it, equity and equality in representation of people who are both married and single yeah. where those voices are honored and and given opportunities for leadership and to set the tone right of the community then it becomes i think where we're just automatically learning more about how to do this how to mm-hmm. how to live in the tension of those things and balance our lives and invest in community because mm-hmm. we're we're presented with those voices on a regular basis rather yeah. than like, well, this week we're going to ask the singles what they think about that. Right. You know? <laughs> so I don't know. You got your single yeah, Sunday once yeah, a year. Yeah. yeah. I think the diversity and representation and leadership is huge. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big buzz yeah. thing right now with thinking of ethnicity and yeah. racial identity. Yeah. But like, Regardless of where you live, maybe you don't have different ethnicities in your community, but mm. you probably have singles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that's interesting to look at because it's like, how many single elders do you have in yeah. your church? Now, I don't want to make a theological stance mm. by any means, but it's like if Jesus or Paul couldn't be an elder in your church, mm. hmm. I would have some questions about <laughs> about how we got there. Yeah. And that's like regardless if you're complementarian, egalitarian, right. vegetarian, whatever you are, <laughs> right. um, I, I think there's this reality of like, hey – Singles need to be represented, not yeah. as a people to be reached, yes. but as people who are vital to what right. you're doing. Yeah. Um, I think I think to change gears a little bit, because I, I love what we're talking about, but we have so much on singleness we can talk about. Yeah. Um, I want to get in a little bit of like boundaries with singleness. Okay. And I mean twofold by that. I yeah. think boundaries, one, and one, I'm going to give like a bad view of singleness where it's like, <laughs> singles, yeah, like you have to come volunteer at everything because you have more time because yeah, you're not yeah, married. Yeah, so okay. there's like, there's that boundaries. <laughs> And then the boundaries we talked about a little bit before of like, how do like single men and single females, why did I say females, <laughs> single women, um, interact without it, you know, oh my gosh, should we date? Like, oh, there's a sexual yeah. tension. So how do we balance yeah. this? So let's start with like the volunteer single, yeah, okay, okay. single boundary. So for you, you know, you got asked to lead this small group. I'm sure you've been asked to, to help out and serve in other areas. Maybe not leadership, you know, because mm. you're single. Um, but, like, how how would you recommend balancing mm. kind of in the church specifically? Yeah. Because in the church is especially where I think where it's prevalent, where it's, like, married people have to go tend to their wives or husbands yeah. first. Yeah. But you, 
Oh, you, you can stay late. Time. Yeah, yeah it's no <laughs> you got all this time in the world. <laughs> I mean, Paul said it'd be better if you're single because you have yeah, all this time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But we have our we have our spouses to look after. So yeah. you go be unhealthy and working yeah. too much. We're gonna go be healthy. Yeah. I mean, it's a real problem. It uh, it uh, it's so here's here's what's complicated about it. There are things that are true about it, right? So I do have, um, I have freedom in my life mm-hmm. in certain ways that mm-hmm. I don't take for granted you know I mean it's a, a, a as an example I had a friend who lives in Texas who had a crisis and I flew to her place yep. and stayed with her for 10 days yep. and I couldn't have done that I don't think as easily if I mm-hmm. had small children you know or um, other other obligations not, not just being married would have been a, a hurdle to that. I mean, I had to have money to fly there and all mm-hmm. those other things. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, so are there ways in which I have capacity to come alongside people I love um, and step in? Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna and I'm gonna do that anytime I can. Yeah. But, yeah. but I'm gonna do it in a way that is um, Holy Spirit inspired. Mm-hmm. That is according to my gifting. Mm-hmm. That is about um, about reciprocity and like that we are giving to one another, right? Mm-hmm. So there are going to be filters for me that are that are not just like you should help in the children's ministry <laughs> because you you know you need to get familiar with how children, to so. yeah how to be around <laughs> kids, right? So um, yeah, I think it is. I think it is complicated. I think that. Um, I think we are stewarding our lives, our time, our resources, and we want to do that authentically and well. Um, but I think that sometimes there are scripts about what that should look like for someone who's single that are really problematic. Yeah. So um, I have a, a friend who goes to a church. She was really burned out on the church, and she started going to this new church and felt like the community. She just could take a breath. She she she's single and she she had really been like volunteering and involved in all these leadership things. And she felt like she stepped into this new community and they just gave her permission to rest, you Mm -hmm. know, and they were not looking for her to have to be and do and move. And it was really, really freeing and life giving Mm -hmm. to her. And now she's serving in ways that are really according to her gifts and all Mm -hmm. of that. Um, And it's beautiful, but, uh, but it, it was, it's very rare, I think for a church to pay attention to, not just the state of being that you're in as the way you decide what ministry you should sign somebody up for, Mm -hmm. but actually like, what is this person gifted for? What do they want to do? Are they, you know, have we left room for them to be able to explore and consider? Um, Yeah. It's complicated for sure. Yeah. I think being a single man working Mm. in the church right now, Mm -hmm. uh, there's been times where it's like, they ask me to come in for something or ask me to do something extra. And I'm like, Nope. I'm hanging out with my friends. Yeah. Like, I'm spending time with my friends. Yes. And they're, like, kind of, like, are you serious? <laughs> like, like right. You can tell there's, like, this, like, do you not love God? Like, yeah. what are you doing? And I'm, like, well, what if I just switch that with, said like, I'm spending time with my wife? Mm-hmm. And I think they would have been, like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, yes. go, yeah, go nurture that relationship. Yeah. And it's, like, yeah, maybe I didn't have a wedding ceremony. Maybe I don't have a contract yeah. legally. But I think in a lot of ways, maybe not entirety, I'm just as committed to the people that are close to me in friendship yeah. as someone should be to their spouse. Well, and you have deep relational needs exactly. as a person. Yeah. So, well, um, no, not until you're married. Because <laughs> <laughs> it can't really be fulfilled until right. then. And so you just kind of have to wander yeah, yeah, yeah. and join That's a young good. single adult yeah, group and yeah. find your spouse, then you'll be happy. I know, but really, I mean, yeah, it's hilarious. I mean, yeah. I, but I think this is the, this is the thing that um, is difficult about that is like, yeah, do I, I and I experience this at work, right? Where I know that people that work for me are taking care of sick kids and have, you know, mm-hmm. baseball games they need to go to, and mm-hmm. and it is hard to justify your own relational needs or commitments above people's priorities with their family. Even in my own mind, that's really hard for me to do yeah. to be like. I made this plan with my friend, but this, the, but this person that works for me We're is going like, to you know, yeah, you know, but <laughs> probably not Chili's. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I'm I kidding. never, I'm go, kidding. To, I'm I never kidding. go to Chili's. God, <laughs> God, I only go to Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> but this person that works for me, right, is is having like a legitimate 
crisis or thing that they're and they mm-hmm. and there just are more of those when you're mm-hmm. married and have kids and are trying to to take care of tiny humans and keep them alive mm-hmm. right and so mm-hmm. i do think that it's important to be reflective about that right but i also think that um it's important for all of us to be in community together and asking what's underneath some of these yeah. some of these decisions and how we make them for yeah. sure well i think yeah. even when paul talks about singleness he does say like marriage is going to be a little extra burdens yeah. in a sense and so yeah. i think there is that reality where it's yeah. like yeah if you do get married you're getting called into a blessing but also getting called in some extra yeah. burdens that you yeah. wouldn't have as a single person yeah. but at the same time like in the reality of boundaries single people need to be just as emotionally relationally healthy yes. as married That's people right. do even That's though they're right. not you know have a spouse to hurt or kids to hurt like they have hopefully have friends in their lives yeah and a lot of them probably don't because it's kind of like well why make friends when like i'm gonna get married (laughs) anyway um (laughs) so moving from that that's kind of like vocational volunteer work Mm -hmm. boundaries but i think the big the big area especially i think for maybe younger singles i don't know maybe i could be wrong um but that balancing of like how to interact Mm. with the opposite gender in the workplace yeah. in friend sphere <laughs> while balancing yeah. like this maybe sexual tension yeah. um should i date them should i not yeah um and then the the, the cliche saying of like i don't want to date them because we're best friends and i don't want to ruin that or you know we're best friends so we should date yeah how i know you've wrote on this before yeah. you've talked about this before yeah. um how would you recommend going about those yeah. kind of boundaries so i um so my dissertation, I don't think I said this yet. Well, maybe I did say a little bit. I, I looked at um, men who have advocated for women, who have mentored, sponsored, coached women into significant leadership roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a part of the literature I reviewed in preparation for that was looking at um, a lot of things, looking at like <laughs> how men and women uh, do mentoring relationships, developmental relationships, mm-hmm. what evangelical views of gender are, how we conceptualize gender. And one book that I read was called um, Athena Rising, How and Why Men Should Mentor Women. So very limited. These are two military guys who um, wrote uh, wrote this book basically saying the only way that we get more women in the field is to be better mentors. There are no there aren't men in leader. Yeah. There aren't women in leadership. So you can't ask women to mentor only mentor women, you know. So they have this section of the book where they talk about what they call like the the scripts of male female relationships right mm-hmm. and i think that the three or four things they mention are the the white knight and maiden narrative mm-hmm. the um the sort of seducer seductress narrative <laughs> yep. the uh father daughter narrative and, mm. and maybe have one other um but they they're saying like if you're operating in any of those scripts in these mentoring relationships like it's not going to work yeah, it it just, i mean it doesn't it match just, the environment yeah it doesn't it doesn't work so i mean they would they would probably say you need a more capacious view and possibility mm. for what these relationships are and can be now the reality is i think that you're going to you're going to fall into scripts even when you're working against them right so the scriptures give us a great narrative right they give us the narrative of brothers and sisters um mm-hmm. of this family of god um at least as a place to go when you're in when you're in places that are really unhealthy to another person, right? Like they at least give you like, oh yeah, brothers and sisters can do life together without, mm-hmm. you know, experiencing sexual attraction, and that mm-hmm. that would be weird, right? To have mm-hmm. that kind of thing happening in a sibling relationship. Um, but uh, I don't even know that that's a, a large enough bucket, right? We also need places of friendship and places yeah. of just being human together. And mm-hmm. so um, I think a lot about uh, just what what a great, what great friendships have been in my life, whether with men or with women. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that is about my curiosity, my respect for them, my mm-hmm. um, just genuine um like love of being able to know them and hear hear about their lives and their stories and so mm-hmm. i almost feel like if you can start a relationship in that way with across gender yeah. that um it can go all kinds of directions and that's great but you you're doing something in terms of the dignity with which you are viewing the other person that um 
is a counter narrative in our yeah. culture because our culture i think um often at least across gender raises sexuality sexual attraction as sort of the primary narrative about mm -hmm. what men and women are together mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. so then you're just constantly managing stigma yeah. or your own yeah. like <laughs> your own fear of yourself right like yeah. it and that is that is not a healthy way to start a relationship with mm -hmm. anybody right nope. even a, nope. even a potential romantic partner if you're if you're operating out of fear of yourself and your own your own sexuality or desires um there's not it's not a big enough it's not a big enough space mm -hmm. to hold all that a human yeah. relationship should be you yeah. know yeah it seems it seems think? like you're <laughs> it's like you're reframing is like you need to respect and value yeah. who they are as a person rather yeah. than all those other scripts are kind of i think can be framed as either you're giving something or you're getting something yeah so yeah. father daughter the daughter's getting something from her father the yeah. father's giving something to the daughter yeah. temptress seductress mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. like one's giving one's trying yeah. to get right. like that's why you should do is to get right, something. Right. Um, the the Shrek and Fiona, other <laughs> one of like you're saving someone, you're getting yeah. and you're giving. Yeah. Um, which like I think when you take down to a relational level of like mm -hmm. young singles, it's like I think the first thought that always creeps in culturally, whatever, is like, well, sh do I need to date them? But mm -hmm. that is so I think self focused. Mm -hmm. It's thinking, yeah, what I love what that. can I get from them? Yeah. In a sense, relationally, romantically, yeah. sexually. Or you're scared then of entering into friendships with the other gender yeah. because you're afraid they're going to want me to give something yeah. to them. Yeah. And either way, it's it's this yin and yang. That's what I've noticed in my life. I've connected so well with like married women. Yeah. Um, just because there's not that balance of like, is there a give and a get here? Yeah. It's just like I respect and value who yeah. you are, and That's they respect right. and value me. Yeah. And so there's not the tension, but it's like oftentimes I would long for like, well, why can't I do this with single women? Mm. And I think it's because of that, like, I'm either afraid that I'm going to have to give something yeah. Yeah, to them or yeah. that I'm going to want to get something yeah. from them. Yeah. And so both parties are hesitant yeah. and they're scared because it's like, well, we don't want to ruin friendship, but it's like, well, oftentimes that's just keeping friendship at a shallow level. It absolutely can. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm curious about even, um, where transparency comes in, yep. right? Like where where it is good to be honest with one <laughs> another, you know, mm -hmm. and and willing to kind of step into what is a little bit messy together, mm -hmm. you know? And and I don't I mean, I think it depends on the relationship, right? Like if if it's a work context, obviously you're gonna be a lot more careful about how transparent you are about expectations yeah. and feelings yeah. you're going to you're going to need to probably because it's professional yeah it's yeah yeah you want to you don't ever want to put a person where there's a power dynamic mm -hmm. in a situation to feel like your problem is their problem right yeah. well, so power 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 makes it messy. a totally different thing yeah. but when you're when you're in friendship right um i just think the more the more we can be honest about the process that it is to develop connection human connection um i think those that that is how we how we develop health together you know mm -hmm. and 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 i think i don't know i mean i think the reality is that one person might be attracted and the other person might not mm -hmm. and like maturity would say if we could get to a place where we have talked about that and we've been able to kind of set expectations together and say, but I still really care about you. And I still want us to be able mm -hmm. to be in relationship together, even if it's not a match romantically mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen people in my life be able to do those kinds of conversations and, and be in friendship with that yeah. person long term. Well, it will take maturity you know? on both sides. It does. It takes the attractive partner, quote yes. unquote, needs to have the maturity to be able to not yes. be like, Oh, I don't want to lead them yeah. on, or you yeah. Know, but then the other partner has to have the maturity. I need to waver yes. these sexual feelings and control yes. them so that I can actually respect and value. Yeah. I was talking with some friends that are girls um, about living in a house together, mm. and they're like, "Well, I don't know, because about like this and that," mm. and it's like, "Well," and I, I don't know if living in a house is a good idea. I'm not here to vouch for that, but it was like one of those things where like we need to acknowledge like. Yeah, there's going to be times where sexual feelings yeah. are going to rise up. Yeah. That is the nature of relationships. That is the nature of male and female living yeah. together in close yeah. proximity because attraction and stuff just yeah. happens by proximity. Yeah. That's why camp crushes in Christian culture. They always happen because yeah. it's proximity. You're yeah. with them for five days straight. Yeah. Um, but it's like if we can acknowledge that yeah. and make that normal and move past it into maturity and understanding mm -hmm. and actually respecting and valuing rather than just giving and getting. Hmm. 
Um, I think it's possible. I'm saying again, I'm not vouching that you yeah, need yeah, to live yeah, in a no, house, no, but yeah. I'm saying I think it's very possible with the right group of maturity where it's like you have to acknowledge that because hmm. um, if you're scared of it, then one, you'll never be able to enter a deep relationship because you're so scared of what might rise up within right, you and right. you're afraid you can't control it. Right. Um, but two, I think you're going to miss out yeah, on yeah. the beauty of an opposite gender relationship, what right. that can bring to your life, a yes. different perspective, a different yeah. voice. Um, yeah. and I think we're missing that a lot right so. now yeah unless you're married and that's the one yeah. place you get it <laughs> which that's why marriage is great yeah, you're getting right? the other gender's it's, perspective it's and totally that's why good. you get refined but i think this is where i think doing this work prior to marriage during marriage i mean i i have i have men who are married who are dear friends to me and i believe that um there there are ways that um that like we enhance each other's lives and I hope there's enough trust with within their marriage that their wife doesn't see that as threatening, you know, Mm -hmm. and that that's been my experience with Mm -hmm. the men who really are able to befriend me and be in my life that they, um, I usually know their spouse and their spouse usually, um, really appreciates what I'm bringing to Mm -hmm. their, to their, their partner's wife, you know, so, uh, partner's life. So, I don't know. I think that that's um, that's something that in my dream world, right, is like human connection and relationship. Gender matters, but it's not um, it's not the only thing that you see when you're Mm -hmm. when you're interacting Mm -hmm. in relationship that you are Mm -hmm. saying like, yeah, there's there's going to be nuances that I need to pay attention to, Mm -hmm. um, but that I I have this full picture of what what a man can offer me in my life that is not just romantic partnership right um and vice versa so yeah i think i think that's fascinating of just the the wisdom of that wife to allow Mm -hmm. allow quote unquote (laughs) her husband to meet up with you hang out with you whatever get be in friendship with you The maturity it takes, not only the wife to trust yeah, the husband, right. but the husband to be honest That's right. with the wife. Because, it, again, the reality is, is yeah, feelings might rise up at some point with any relational yeah, equity. Yeah. Um, but having the wisdom to say, no, yeah. we're valuing them as a person, yeah. not as a sexual object to right. be something to get from or give yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I would say, you know, in terms of my own lived experience, um, it doesn't always. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, like there actually are, there are male, female <laughs> relationships that are, that are really platonic, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah, that, that you aren't, you aren't negotiating that yeah. space with them, yeah. with that particular person. Yeah. And I don't really know what the magic of that is. Often yeah. it's because I think the individuals have done this work, right. To have broad mm-hmm. sweeping views of, of what that other person can yeah. be in their life. And so then they have a lot of categories. They have yeah. a lot of places to put yeah. the relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe if they were deeper or, or continued to progress in connection, they might turn into something else. But um, I definitely have, have experienced friendships, deep connection with men that, yeah. uh, that has not turned into attraction yeah. for either yeah. of us. You yeah. know? I mean, and that's, so, that's always the hope that makes it yeah, easier. Yeah. But we're saying, even if, even, even if, it if does. this comes up, even if it does, you can be okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, that's it's, right. It's that's not right. like because I think oftentimes what happens in friendship is like it's platonic. There's no attraction. Then yeah. all of a sudden you hit a certain point and yeah. one party becomes attracted. Yeah, and then it's just like disintegrates. Yeah, it's and it's really like can we not have the yeah. courage and wisdom to yeah. to actually withstand that? Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. I guess to close out with a couple questions. Okay. Um, we always want to focus on how can the church be the better church? How can mm. the church be the real church? Hmm. The church that Jesus set up, the church that Paul encouraged, um, and then individually. But first, so what would be your vision for churches, your hope for churches mm. in handling singles? I know you already touched on this a little bit, but if you could give like a, a succinct, you know, couple paragraph yeah. <laughs> hope for how the church would yeah. interact with singles. Yeah, I, I do think that... Um, a piece for me is um, dignifying the state of singleness as a worthy calling by mm-hmm. God, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and not in a not in a way that says I had to know I was called, right? But mm-hmm. like uh, and not an inferior in a way, calling either. Yeah. Where it's like, well, you didn't get called to marriage, yeah. so therefore you get the second calling of singleness, right? Right. But in a way that says. Um, 
who you are is fully formed mm-hmm. is um is ready to operate in any sphere of what God might um might have brought in terms of giftedness and and so yeah I mean I think I mentioned earlier kind of this desire for singles to be in places of leadership and visibility and those pieces but I think part of that is rooted in what do we view the state of singleness mm-hmm. as being in terms of the completeness of that human, right? Yeah. Um, do we see them as fully formed? I remember um, reading a book that talked about how so many of the conceptualizations of particularly celibate singles, right? Mm-hmm. Like even more than just being single yeah. when you are celibate, which is assumed in the church, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of this delayed adolescence that you're not you're not an adult, you're not a fully formed mm-hmm. human. Um, and I think particularly for women, there's a narrative of like, well, women are, are meant to like be assumed in the shadow of their, mm-hmm. of their husband. Mm-hmm. So there are these kind of incomplete ways of thinking about their humanity based on their marital status, yeah. right? Like we, we ask women to check the box, miss, Ms, mm-hmm. Mrs, right? We don't I ask men one. to it's do Mr. that, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So so when I think about it, I think a lot about like you need a a deep respect, regard, worthiness to what it is to have uh to have single people in your church and that they add value, not that you're like helping them figure out where they should go before they meet their partner. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I I think that's that's beautiful. Even the language thing of like you have Miss mm-hmm. and Mrs., mm-hmm. which is just like fascinating how language even can fit into culture and our yeah. thought of like, I get Mr. Yeah. and it never changes. Yeah. So I'm complete. I'm whole. Yeah. As a woman, you can change title. Yeah. You can also yeah. change last name, which mm-hmm. adds, that's a different component. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. We're, we're, we're yeah. towards the end here. I mean, but it's good to, I mean, it's, it is, there are always intersections, yeah. right? Ab- mm-hmm. Around these things of like, oh yeah, that, that looks different for men than it does for women. I mean, I think men have their own. Um, there's complexity for men around being single that's very different. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, maybe even a little more suspicion of single men than single women. And so um, I don't. I would never say that it's easier or harder. Yes. I just think it's, it's different. different. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the last question we'll end yeah. on, say uh, we could give a wide variety of people here we could okay. draw up, but say they're a 28-year-old single mm-hmm. woman, a, a 39-year-old single man, mm-hmm. a 52 year old single woman mm. is listening to this podcast. Mm. I don't know if they, <laughs> I don't know if anyone is, <laughs> but uh, if they are listening mm. to this podcast and they are single and they've heard what we started with all those narratives, all those things about being less complete, mm. not a full person because mm. they still, they didn't find the other half. Mm. What would be your hope to them? What was the hope that you'd yeah. offer to them? Yeah. I, I said one time, um, you know, romantic love, doesn't define our our lovability um, mm. or our worthiness. And so when I think about um, I think it's it's so important to me that people are asking questions about God's view of them and mm. that they are, I mean, I think I heard a Tozer quote yesterday that like said something like the most important thing it about us is how we think God sees us, you know? Yeah, that sounds <laughs> and, like Tozer. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like Tozer. I'm not <laughs> sure if that's quite what he said, but but I think that um, I just would, I would wish and pray and hope that people um, really are able to see the worthiness of who God has made them and that um, that a romantic partner isn't the isn't the defining factor of yeah. that of that worth and and also that there is opportunity for rich a rich tapestry of love and community as a single person um mm-hmm. and that we would have fuller more dynamic vision for that as a church like what mm-hmm. is the family of god um yeah, why why didn't Jesus marry? What 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 are these things? Or did he? Yeah, he you read know? the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> you know, I mean, but really, these are these are big things that the church does not take yeah. spend a lot of time on. Um, that I think um, when I think about people who are who are stewarding their singleness for whatever season, whether their whole lives or a season of their life, I just pray that they would um, have a rich 
picture of what God intends and how he, mm-hmm. how he is, that can be a, a deep gift to them, yeah. you know? So Sweet. anyway, that's yeah. what I think about. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been awesome, Carrie. I mean, I've been so encouraged. I'm sure people who listen to this and who are single, who are married even mm-hmm. will be encouraged mm-hmm. just by the wisdom you've offered. And it was like, kind of can sum it up we we need each other mm-hmm. um regardless mm-hmm. if you're single if you're married if if you're widowed whatever it is mm-hmm. if you're even divorced you need people mm-hmm. um and that doesn't mean you just need a one other half it doesn't mean you just need a few people like you need people deeply involved in your life so we hope this podcast encourages you and so we just want to thank you again carrie for being on here and we'll see you guys next time As always, we want to make sure we clarify this episode may have triggered you sexually. It may have brought up old pain, old shame, or even old unhealthy sexual behavior. With all these things, we encourage you to tell someone about it. Don't keep it in. Don't walk alone. Invite people into your life. And as always, if you've enjoyed what you have heard today or enjoyed what this podcast is doing and what is it about, it would help us out greatly if you could leave us a review and if you could subscribe to the podcast. This helps us reach other people, and this helps us fulfill what this podcast is ultimately trying to do, which is bring hope to those who are trapped, those who are struggling, and those who are wondering what to do with sexuality. We hope that Carrie's words gave you all a hope for singleness you could have never imagined. We hope that you can know that you are whole and complete as a single person. That's it for Mir, and as always... May the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.